All right, open your Bibles to Philippians 4, chapter, th- uh, chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to preach to you and talk to you about one verse that, that has become a verse that I've just looked at for, for many years, since about, uh, since about 1994. I've been looking at this one verse and how this verse plays out, because here's what happens to me as a pastor, that at least every week someone walks up to me, whether it's in, whether it's in, a, in, in the halls or whether it's by email or by, it's by uh, a telephone call, and they, they say basically the same things that others are saying. They'll say things like, I need a little help here. I need a little help in my situation, that I'm going through a difficult season of life, I'm going through a difficult time of life, I'm going through some difficulty in my life, and you know what? I could use a little bit of help here. I could use a little bit of help, I could use a little bit of power here in this situation. And the question is, is how do you apply God's power to your situation? Because if I ask you this morning, and I said, do you believe that God is all-powerful? Probably every hand would go up, because if you did not believe that, you would not be here this morning. And if I ask you another question, it says, does God desire to answer your prayers? Does God desire to apply his power to your situation, to your difficulty? Again, probably every hand would go up. And then if I ask you another question and ask you, okay, so how do you get God to apply his power to your situation? I don't know how many hands would go up. Probably one of the most popular most quoted verses in the Bible is Philippians 4.13. You see it in refrigerator magnets. You see it bumper stickers on cars. People usually will quote it. And the scripture says this, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome all things. I can endure all things. I can walk through all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the problem that we need to discuss this morning is how do you live that verse out? How do you live that verse out? Because it's more than just knowing a scripture. It's more than just quoting a scripture. It's more than just even praying a scripture. How do you get God to apply his power to your difficulty, to your situation, to your circumstances in life? Now this morning I'm going to illustrate this several different ways because when you look at this, you find that this principle that I'm going to teach you this morning about how to receive God's power into your life, how to receive God's power into your situation is all through the Bible. From the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. And we're going to look at two stories in the New Testament and we're going to look at two or three stories in the, or two story two to three stories in the New Testament and two stories in the Old Testament and we're going to look at how this plays out in life and how it played out in the lives of other Joshua chapter 3. Joshua had been with the children of Israel for about 40 years. They'd been in the, in, in the desert. They'd been in the wilderness. And one day God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, today's the day. Today is the day that you'll enter the promised land. Today's the day that you'll no longer wander in the, in the wilderness ever again. But today is the day that I'm going to do amazing things, consecrate the people, get the people ready, because today I'm going to do amazing things. But there's a problem. See, the border between Canaan and and where Joshua was was a river. It was a Jordan River. And this just wasn't any season. This was a difficult season. This was the harvest season, and which meant this, that the Jordan River was running at above flood stage. Fact is, at this time of year, every year, the Jordan River would just, because of the runoff, would just flow outside of its banks. It was a raging, dangerous river. And there's a problem. Between Joshua and the people in the promised land... There is a barrier 
there's a problem. It's, it's a river that, that could mean ultimate death when someone steps in it. And so Joshua tells God, says, well, what about the Jordan River? And God says, no problem. I'll take care of it. Just take the people, tell the people to line up in a line, take the Levites, put them at the front of the line, put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, and then line the people up and lead them to the Jordan River. What kind of answer is that? Would you buy a plan like that? That God just tells you, no problem. Don't, don't ignore it. Don't act like it's not there. Just start heading to the Jordan River. Put yourself in the person's place, say, maybe fourth in line. What would be going through your mind knowing that you're headed for the Jordan River? I don't know that if you've ever stood on the, the banks of a raging river. Many years ago, I went with some friends, and we rafted through the, the Grand Canyon for, for 10 days. And you could stand on the back of the Colorado River, and the roar of the rapids was like deafening. And it would literally shake the, the earth when you got close to its banks. And they would tell you that if you waded out over your knees, it could be immediate death if you were swept away. Can you imagine? You're the fourth person in line. You know what? I, you know what I might would do? I might would throw a sandal or start limping or say, "You know what? You guys go ahead. I'll catch up with you when I make sure you've crossed the Jordan River." I mean, none of us appreciate a program like that. No, but none of us appreciate even a plan like that. But God says, "No problem. I'm going to apply my power." to your situation. I'm going to apply my power to your circumstances. Where? Somewhere between here and there. Somewhere between here and the water's edge. See, most of us, maybe all of us, we won't power before the crisis, right? We won't power before the showdown, right? We won't power before the difficult circumstances, right? Fact is, most of us, we won't, God, God, you shut down the Jordan River, and when it's dry, and when I know it's safe, then I'll walk across. But God tells this people group, start walking. And somewhere between here and the water's edge, I'll apply my power to your situation. The first principle is this, and I only have two principles for you this morning. The first one is this. God has promised to apply His power to our situation along the way. There are so many people that spend so much of their time waiting for God to do something before they act. But the Scripture teaches over and over and over when you see this principle play out in Scripture that God promises his power where? Before here in the river, before here in the crisis, before here in the situation, before here in the difficulty. Joshua chapter th 3, verse 6. And so Joshua said to the, the, to the priest, after he had talked with God, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Their crisis was a, a testimony. Their crisis was a testimony to all those that were looking, to all those that were watching, that God applies his power to their situation along the way. Your crisis is a part of your testimony of the, of, of the, of the promise of God and of the love of God. In verse 8, 
And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan. So the Jordan's still running. The Jordan's still flowing. Man, don't miss this. He hasn't shut the flow of the Jordan River off yet. See, we all want power before the storm and power before the crisis and power before the showdown. But God says, I apply my power to your situation along the way. So he says, so when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan, in the water. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Drop down verse 11. Verse 11 says this, Behold, the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and of all the earth is passing over before you into the, into the Jordan, into the barrier, into the crisis, into the situation. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest, bearing the ark of the Lord which was the presence of God. What, whatever God has for you, don't miss this. Whatever God has for you is ahead of you, not behind you. And we could talk about that the rest of the time. So many of us, we get so stuck in our past. Listen, let me tell you something. The enemy wants you to revisit your past over and over and over so he can stop the unbelievable momentum of God in your life today. Whatever God has for you, I don't care what your past looks like. They had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years of disobedience. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care what you've been in. I don't care what you've come out of. Whatever God has for you is ahead of you and not behind you. They understood this. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters in the Jordan. Then, when they're in, then the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Do you realize when they stood in the, in the Jordan River, can you imagine what it was like? Most theologians and archaeologists believe that they probably got up to their waist in water and they stood. Can you imagine what it was like when they realized that God would apply his power to their situation and the waters begin receding? The waters were dammed in, up in, in Adam, which was 90 miles upstream. So it took a while. It didn't happen immediately. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you've been in a, in, a, in a crisis and you've been in a difficult season of life. And God applied his power along the way. And you started realizing that the waters, the crisis, is receding. And God is applying his power to the situation. There's another story in, in the Old Testament that illustrates this. It's Exodus chapter 14. Moses was, was, was 
with the children of Israel in Egypt. It was a little bit after the 10th plague. And God came to Moses and told Moses, says, Moses, this is the day. I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And so Moses went to, went to Pharaoh and went before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And for whatever reason, Pharaoh says, fine. All of you and the slaves, you guys get out of here. Just leave. So Moses gathered up the children of Israel and, they, and several million people. And so they started leaving the city. What did take long to where the Egyptian economy went in a huge downturn because what Pharaoh did was he just let go all of the slave labor, all of the cheap labor. And so the city was in this outcry, and they came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, I didn't know what I was thinking. If we continue on this track, track the Egyptian economy is going to be a mess. It's headed for a horrible uh, downturn. So Pharaoh calls in the uh, Egyptian National Guard. And he calls them in and he gets the leaders in the room and he says, go back and bring the cheap labor back to me before our economy suffers to this level. And so the, the Egyptian National Guard that was highly trained um, uh, took off and, and started heading to, to, to catch up with the children of Israel. And the children of Israel, who are being led by Moses, look over their shoulder and there is this Egyptian National Guard bearing down on this snail pace of a migration of the children of Israel. And they fall apart at the seams. And they cry out to Moses and says, Moses, we could use a little bit of help here. I mean, we got the Egyptian National Guard bearing down on us. To, it's going to mean slavery. It's going to mean death. It's going to mean pain. And we've got an uncrossable Red Sea in front of us. No boats, no ferries, no bridges, nothing to ferry these people across. We need a little bit of help here. We need God's power applied to our situation. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, watch this. And so, and Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which will, which will work for you today. In other words, God will apply his power to your situation where? Somewhere between here and the water's edge. Somewhere between here and the Red Sea. Somewhere between here and the crisis. Somewhere between here and that barrier that you have in your life. For the Egyptians whom you see today, what a statement of faith. You will never see again. That problem that's in your life, that crisis that's in your life, that situation that's in your life that you have been walking through, today is the day. You will never deal with that problem. You will never deal with that crisis. You will never deal with that situation again. Because God is going to apply His power to your situation. Where? Somewhere between. Here and there. Verse 14, For it is the Lord who will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. This is so interesting. Verse 15 is a critical verse. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Why are you still praying to me? See, it's more than just memorizing a verse. And that's good. And we need to do that. It's deeper than that. God applies His power to our situation Along the way, he tells Moses, why are you still, you, you know what to do. I've already, see, a lot of us, we know what we need to do in the situation. 
We just think it's crazy. What do you mean I need to forgive? What, am, what do you mean I need to break some addictions in my life? What do you mean I need to walk in purity? What do you mean? See, God applies his power to our situation along the way. And God told Moses, Moses, why are you still crying out to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Because whatever God has for you is ahead of you, not behind you. You tell them to move. Because I will apply my power to their situation and to their life if they'll just trust me. Could it be when we look at these stories that God is wanting us to demonstrate faith first and then he provides the power instead of waiting to the Red Sea splits, to the Jordan River stops. Second principle is this. To appropriate God's power in your life, you and I must be willing to put one foot in front of the other. I mean, that, that's what Moses is telling the children of Israel. Just learn. Walk, walk in obedience. Just line your life up with my, with, with my word and just learn to walk in obedience. Be willing to demonstrate faith. Be willing to demonstrate that you trust me. Be willing to demonstrate by putting one foot in front of the other. Back in Joshua, watch this, what happens to them? So when the people set out from their tents to pass over to the, with the Jordan River with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come to, as far as the Jordan... And the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. Verse 16. The waters coming down from above stood and rose in a heap very far away. That God appropriates his power somewhere between here and there when we're willing to put one foot in front of the other and just trust him. Let's move to the New Testament. There's a couple of stories. In fact, there's several stories. We only have time for, for a few of them, but uh, Luke chapter 17 is a story of ten lepers. Now, if you don't know anything about their culture and, and, and leprosy in their time, they had some false beliefs about leprosy. The fact is they believed that you could catch leprosy from one to another, and so as a result of that, a leper, when a person had leprosy, they were an outcast in society. Nobody wanted to be around them. Uh, they're, they're, they, were, they were moved to a leprosy colony outside of town. Uh, they were cut off from their family. They were cut off from their friends. And one of the most horrible situations for them was they were cut off from their church. They could no longer worship like they once did. And they were in this colony, and they just kind of hung out together, and they watched each other slowly die. Well, in Luke chapter 17, there's, two, there's, there's ten lepers, and they're on the side of the road, and Jesus comes walking by. And so maybe they had a discussion much like, we know who he is. He is the Son of God. And we know that he has great power, and he could apply his power to our situation. But would he? I mean, would Jesus take his power and apply it to our situation? 
And maybe they had this discussion, and they're like, well, what do we have to lose? Let's ask him. And, and so one says, well, I don't know. I don't know if he'd do it. I mean, we're an outcast. We can't even go to church. We haven't been to church in so long, and we haven't had contact with our family. And I don't know. And so maybe one says, well, you know what? What do we have to lose? Let's just ask him. So they start crying out to him and said, Lord Jesus, just have mercy on us. Just, just help us. We need a little help here. We need your power applied to our situation. And Jesus stopped and says, no problem. Go show yourself to the priest. What kind of answer is that? Would you bought a plan like that? I mean, I mean, I imagine those guys kind of huddled up and says, what do you mean go show yourself to the priest? See, the priest in their day was like the city's health department. They were the ones that would determine whether someone had leprosy or not. They were the ones that would say they had to live in a leprosy colony. That was part of their duties. That was part of the things that they did. And so maybe they started having a discussion and said, why should we go show ourselves to the priest and have him tell us something that we already know? I mean, we can look at one another and we can tell we've got leprosy. And maybe just maybe one of them says, guys... What do we have to lose? Maybe between here and the priest, something would happen. Maybe he would take and apply his power to our situation. Luke chapter 17, verse 14. Watch this. So when Jesus saw them, he said to them, this is where he said, just go and show yourself to the priest. Pretty unemotional. And then watch this. This, I'm telling you, this has been underlined and starred and asterisked in my Bible And as they went, they were cleansed. Not as they stayed. Not as they talked. As they went. As they put one foot in front of the other. He gave them power along the way. Wonder wonder what it was like for them when they looked over at Fred and Fred looked normal. And they started looking at their hands and realized God applied his power to my situation. If that's ever happened to you, you are never the same but you will never know it until you learn to trust him. Until when you learn to put one foot in front of the other and trust him. You've got time for one last story. John chapter 2 is the, la- the first miracle of Jesus. Jesus goes to a, a wedding with his mom. Uh, culturally, a wedding was a big deal. It wasn't a two-hour or three-hour. It could go on for days, and it was like this celebration. And what happened at this wedding is is there was a large turnout and the host had something happen that was just very embarrassing. In fact, it was unthinkable in their culture. He ran out of wine. And so Jesus and his mom started having this conversation. And his mom says, you know, could you apply your power to this situation? Could you apply your power to his need, to his crisis? And so Jesus says, fine. And so he called some servants over and he called them over and he says, you know what? Over there are six water jars, about 60 gallons of water, what they would hold. And he said, over there are six water jars. Go over there, and I want you to go to the well, and I want you to fill up every water jar to the brim with water. And so they says, fine, because that made sense to them. 
And they went and they filled up the water jars and, and they, they came back to Jesus and Jesus says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a cup and I want you to walk over to that water jar and I want you to take that cup and I want you to dip it in the water and then I want you to carry that cup over to the host and let him taste it and make sure it's good enough. I, I think I would have said, you know what? He's a wine taster, not a water taster. Would you buy a plan like that? Just take a cup of water. Trust me at my word. Put one foot in front of the other. And maybe, just maybe, something will happen as you go. And we know something happened, but somewhere between the water jars and the wine taster, Perrier became Chardonnay. (laughs) See, the scripture is clear. Our difficulty is not believing God is all-powerful. Our difficulty many times is understanding how do you appropriate His power into your life and into your situation and into your circumstances. I have watched this principle play out in my ministry and my personal life since 1994. When God called us to Pueblo, Colorado to start a church, I, I can't tell you where it happened and I can't tell you how it happened, but I know this. Somewhere between Houston, Texas and Pueblo, Colorado, he applied his power to our situation. We launched a church, and by 1999, we'd been in 27 different locations. We had location changes. We'd been in every building that would hold us in Pueblo, and more than once. In 1999, our founding pastor, senior pastor, left, and I became the the senior pastor here, and and, uh, I got a call uh, uh, from the people that we were renting from, and they said they no longer wanted to rent to us. And we had all these people. We were, we were about 300 strong at that time. And we had all these people and not very many places that we could go in Pueblo. I, I never will forget that phone call. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you exactly what I was doing when I received that phone call. And I immediately called a realtor friend and said, we've got a crisis here. And maybe it's time for us to buy a building. And so he says, well, you're not going to believe this. The Southside 4 Cinema for the last couple of years has been on the market for $2 million. And they're going to reduce the price to half a million, and they've got to get rid of it. But there's a problem. The man with the key, and they said there's a lot of legal problems that are going on as a result of this, but if anybody other than this man lets someone into the building to see it, it breaks the lease, and so he's the only person that can let people in to view the building, and he's on vacation for two weeks. We said, not a problem. We met as a leadership group, and we prayed, and we decided, you know what God would have us do? We are people of faith. You realize we bought the Southside 4 Cinema without ever seeing the inside? I led a church of 300 people to vote, not one no vote, to say maybe, just maybe, God would apply his power along the way. We started out, it's kind of hard to believe when you look at us now in three services and going to four. 
But we, we launched in this building in one service. We, quick, we quickly ran out of chairs. They were pulling office chairs in out of our office. We had people lined up and standing here. And on this platform, I announced next week, two services, 9 and 1045. I didn't even have time to talk with anybody on staff. This is just what we're going to have to do. When we started a Saturday night service many years later, there was not another church in town, an evangelical church, that had successfully had done a Saturday night service. Some had tried it. All of the churches had, had abandoned it and just decided that people in Pueblo, Colorado will not support a Saturday night church. But we felt very strongly that God had called us to reach a different people group. Some people that worked shift, some people that worked on Sundays, some people that were not attend, able to attend on a Sunday morning. And somewhere between announcing that service and the service, as we put one foot in front of the other, God showed up. And now, we're adding a fourth service. It's a new service, Sunday at 1230. And even when you tell people the service time, they look at you like, I've never heard of a church service at that time. Exactly. (laughs) We're people of faith. We, you don't decide. You, you don't decide your future. You don't decide trusting God based upon opinion polls and what makes sense. God didn't tell one of them something that you and I would say. That makes sense. That's logical. You're going to stop the river. You're going to split the sea. You're going to heal them on their way. You're going to turn. Water into wine. Can you imagine what they would have missed if they weren't willing to put one foot in front of the other? Wonder what we miss. Wonder what we miss individually. When we're unwilling just to be obedient. Just to trust him and to trust his word. wonder what it's costing us in relationships and in marriage and in business and in life. Because we're so caught up in I'll decide what I do. I'll decide what makes sense or not. Or God... You stop the river, you split the sea, you heal me ahead of time, you, you take care of the situation, turn the water to wine, then I'll go do it. I'm telling you, God wants to apply his power to your situation. And the way that we appropriate his power in our life is when we are willing to put one foot in front of the other. Now, some of you here this morning you may would say, you know what? I could use a little bit of help. Fact is, I need more than just a little bit of help. I need a lot of help. I need His power applied to my situation. I need the power of, from heaven applied to my struggles, applied to my situation. I don't know what that is for you. But the scripture is clear that we don't ignore it. We don't act like it's not there. But we begin to put 
one foot in front of the other. 